Yes, it's me, Mike Stone, and this is the Backseat Driver Podcast. It's the fastest, it's the friendliest, and it's for all the family. The Gas Shocks 116 Trophy and 120 Coupe Cup are the fastest growing race series in the UK, taking in six one-hour races and eight sprints at all the top circuits. Visit 116trophy.com to find out more and get yourself behind the wheel. I'd like to introduce to the Backseat Driver Radio Show a man whose whose surname carries quite a considerable amount of responsibility. I'd like to welcome Freddie Hunt to the show. Good evening, Freddie. Welcome to the show, and are you well? Evening, Mark. Thanks for having me. Yes, very well, thank you. Very well indeed. Now, you're just fresh You're fresh back from one of my favourite circuits, Paul Ricard. What exactly were you racing there? I was racing a... Ligier LMP3 in the Michelin Le Mans Cup for the opening round. Right. So, how how much racing do you do these days? Well, a little bit more now. I've just signed a contract with Writer Engineering, so I'm doing the full season at least, and hopefully plenty more with the um, the pursuit of Le Mans. So we've got a, we've got a sort of a five-year strategy, a plan to get to hopefully win Le Mans. This is the idea on 2026. Be the fiftieth anniversary of Dad's World Championship. Right. So that's our plan, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Now the question has to be asked: What is it like growing up being the son of James Hunt? Because I conclude, especially in the world of motor racing, uh, there could be additional pressure to do well. Yeah. Well, the, the first part of my growing up, I it was sort of unaffected. I was not involved in motorsport at all until the age of nineteen. Um, and you know, I was aware that my father was famous and what have you, but it really had no effect on my life, no influence, uh, until I was went into the racing world, and and suddenly all the media and fans, everyone was thrust upon me, and I shat myself to be honest. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, didn't know what to do, do with it, and I certainly didn't know how to cope with pressure. And you know, the pressure only really comes from oneself, but I put a tremendous amount on myself because I knew I was quick as well. Yeah, I was quicker than I should have been for my experience. <laughs> um, and then you know, there's, there, there were a lot of expectations because you know, it soon went around the paddock that you know I was, I was driving alongside Nick Tandy. Yeah, um, and my pace wasn't far off his, and he was the favourite and what have you. So um, you know, all the other teams, everyone was saying, oh, you know, they were expecting a lot. And I think I knew that, and I, and I was also expecting a lot for myself because I knew that my you know my pace was solid top six pace. Yeah, in the British Formula Four Championship, which was a very competitive championship then, I'm sure is now as well. Um, so, but yeah, I just couldn't get my art, my act together in in competitive situations. So even the Friday, the official Friday practice beforehand was a mess. Yeah, uh, and I persevered until mid two thousand and nine, and then called it a day. I couldn't handle it anymore, so I stopped racing altogether. Right. So, because I mean, the, it's one of those things, uh, and this isn't meant as an insult, but a fast driver's child is not always forced i mean in many ways you look extremely like your father you sound like your father your voice sounds like james uh but in many ways the skills and the abilities of the father doesn't always pass on to the son or the daughter but i conclude from what you were saying uh your dad's talents of shall we say migrated to you uh, along with everything else yeah i mean 
inheriting talents is a bit like you know breeding horses or dogs you know for racing you know some you get some good ones you get some bad ones um you know from from the same stud um and whether i've inherited all of his speed i don't know we've we've never really it's never really been tried and tested if you know what i mean i mean uh i've never really had the opportunity to fully uh uh polish my, my my raw talent if you know what i mean yeah um to refine it so hopefully now I, i'm with a well i'm with a good team um you know over the next couple of years then we will we'll really find out how quick and how competitive i can be yeah um i mean have, have you done any studying of your father's driving to see how he did it because regrettably he isn't around to pass on his advice uh, the the world of motor racing lost James Hunt very early on for want of better description have you studied him in any way to see exactly what he did how he drove etc to be honest no I mean there's no data at telemetry in those days um, and you know I've read all his books but it doesn't really he doesn't really speak much of driving son and I think all, when someone asks you, you know, how do you do it and you say well I just jump in and give it arseholes so, <laughs> <laughs> exactly so, I mean, are there any of your father's friends about who've been in contact, or you've been in contact with them, uh, to discuss anything about, about motor racing and your style and everything else? Uh, unfortunately, the, most of them are, are, are dead, actually, well, or, or, or very old. I mean, Jochen Mass, actually, his teammate, I should probably talk to him, really, about his driving style, but, but I, I don't really want to go out and try and replicate his driving style. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm my own man, I have, yeah. I have my own style. I mean, I personally think my mother, just ju judging by her personality, I reckon if she was brought up in a racing car and was, you know, the first female racing driver or in this day and age, I reckon she would have been pretty damn quick as well. Yeah. Um, she was a fine horseman, and I, th yeah, and I do think there is a there is a synergy between horses and and cars. Perhaps that's why I was quite quick from from the get go. Because um, well, I remember when I was coaching, um, you know, corporate corporate guests at uh, Bedford Autodrome Any, all of the professional equine uh, athletes were much quicker straight away than the, than anyone else Yeah. so I think there is a synergy for riding horses whether, whether it's the feel through your, through your bum for, 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 the, for the beast below you um, I'm not really sure but yeah well, I think the thing about, I mean, my my grandfather uh, was a keen horseman and had his own small stable. Uh, <clears throat> regrettably, his skill on horseback didn't transfer to me. I have nothing against horses. I don't mind looking at them. But uh, the moment I get on the back of one, it has one main aim in life, and that's to get me back off it. But the one thing I've always seen with horse riders, or people who can ride a horse, it's like you just said, it's feel and it's balance and it's intuition and although a horse is a living creature and will work in conjunction with the person on its back a, a well-tuned and well-sorted car will talk to its driver yeah yeah um i i, th I think there are a lot of similarities of course you know one's alive and has, has its own um, has its own agenda <laughs> but um yeah i think i i i suppose there are a lot of synergies um, but, you know, but going back to you know my father's driving style and you know whether I should try and learn from it, I'm not so sure. I mean, I I, I think you know, one should just drive however they feel naturally and then work work on work on their own foundations. If you know what I mean. I mean, I might be wrong there, but that's what my intuition tells me. Yeah. Now, is there any reason why you've 
gone into uh, sports cars other than single seaters because I mean your father made his name as, as Formula One world champion uh, you're going into sports cars and uh, with the intentions of racing in what I consider the greatest motor race in the world Le Mans what made you choose that direction? Uh, two reasons really well initially I did go into single seaters and with the ambition to go to Formula One but then it became pretty evident pretty soon that uh you know, lack of money and my age, it was unrealistic. So when I came back to racing uh, in 2014-15, I, um, I set my sights on, on Le Mans because that's, you know, the more realistic target. And also, I, I soon no noticed that uh, endurance racing suits me a lot better. Um, these, you know, short 20-minute, half-an-hour sprint races, you know, Formula Ford, which I was doing, um, I get awfully flustered, you know. I'm much better if I can relax. The yeah. pace is still going to be the same. You're still driving, you know, more or less flat out. Um, but over a longer stint, um, I think it's better for my, my mentality. You know, I just I just settle into the race a lot quicker and a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm much more comfortable. And I do think... I'm, I'm actually glad that I didn't succeed and get to Formula 1 because I'm not sure I'd like being in Formula 1 right now. No, I'll be, I'll be quite honest, I used to be a Formula One fan, regrettably I no longer am, for the simple reason it's, to my mind, it's become more of a form of showbiz entertainment than anything else, uh, okay, the cars are now very technically advanced, but the world of Formula One is nothing like it used to be and to my mind it's now become so clinical that it's it's eradicated the characters and the one thing we could safely say about your dad and the people, the drivers of the same time, they were all very distinct characters who allowed their character to come through mm, Indeed, yeah and you know, nowadays yeah, they can't really say anything without getting in trouble and you know their, their PR agents just you know practically gives them a script and it's it's pretty pretty sad really so I mean that's that's probably one reason I don't like um, I wouldn't want to be in Formula 1 I don't, I'm not saying I don't like Formula 1 I still watch every race and I, yeah. I, I, I am a Formula 1 fan I love the the technology the speed of the cars and, and you know they're the, they're, they're the performance of them is, is astonishing and I'd love to drive one um, but just to be part of the, the Formula 1 circus as it were I, I'm not sure I'd like that so much now the thing about driving Le Mans is it's a lot of people don't realize you don't just turn up and drive at Le Mans there's a lot to go through before you even arrive on the potentially arrive on the grid at Le Mans you've more or less to qualify to be able to go and qualify at Le Mans I mean just talk us through the process um well, I haven't done it yet, to be honest. Oh. Um, <laughs> but as far as I'm aware, yes, you need to have a, a, an invitation to race at Le Mans. Um, now, I think if you enter a team into the World Endurance Championship, as far as I'm aware, that, well, I, I would assume, I don't know actually, I'm, I'm assuming that the, your invitation comes with that because I think that Le Mans 24 is part of the championship. Therefore, you'd be driving, um, you, you would be, you'd naturally be part of, of, of the race. However, there's plenty of cars and teams that enter into Le Mans which aren't part of the World Endurance Championship and I think you know, they'll come from the European Le Mans series or, or, or one of the other endurance championships and that requires an invitation and the way to get that invitation I think is just by success and probably contacts and maybe greasing some palms is generally things, how things work. Yes, regrettably. 
So yeah, you do need if you're not part of the WEC, you do need an invitation, and maybe even if you are part of the WEC, you might still need an invitation for Le Mans. I'm not really sure. Like I said, I haven't done it yet. Yeah, because the one thing I do know is you've got to, if memory serves, I think it's Paris you go to, where you more or less go onto a simulator and drive laps, and from there they will work out whether you are likely to be able to drive at the circuit. Right. Okay. Okay. So it, um, it's one. No, of, I have heard something like that. I, I've, I have driven the circuit once, so maybe that qualifies me. I don't really know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. Because there is actually a chance that I might be racing in the Le Mans 24 Hours this year. Uh, a team, a, a GC team, have contacted me. They're looking for a, for a bronze driver. So um, that's all I know at the moment. And I don't know if it'll happen yet, but there is a chance of doing it this year. Right. Now, you've driven at Le Mans. I mean, I haven't driven the 24, but I have driven uh, the full... I've driven the Bugatti circuit, which is the small one, small circuit, and the full circuit. And what a lot of people don't realise is the certain parts of that circuit aren't quite as wide as they appear on television. I mean, it is an incredibly challenging circuit, isn't it? Um... I'm not sure, really. I found it rather straightforward, but maybe I wasn't pushing hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, the fast bits, I think one of the Porsche curves, and what have you, um, they, I think that's what they're called. You don't want to have a shunt there. You don't want to lose control there because there's not much room for area. You'll be straight on the wall at quite high speed. Yeah. And obviously the straights are very high speed. Um, but the rest of it, I mean, in comparison to some circuits, I, mean, it's not, I wouldn't describe it as a particularly technical circuit. Um, I did have a bit of fear on that circuit for my health the first time ever in a racing car it was during practice and I was heading down the back straight which is directly west and it was in the evening so the sun was low Yeah. and there was an on my screen luckily it was a practice session so I could lift off um, but I couldn't see where I was going at all and you know doing best uh, I was probably doing 160, 170 miles an hour and um, yeah that, 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 that got me a little bit nervous but, I mean, it, it is still, as you said, it's not a technical circuit for the simple reason it is in most ways a very old circuit. It is, well, it was public road. Still, parts of it still are at certain times. Um, the normal traffic drives up and down it. But, I mean, do, do you, it's something that I found. When you were there, do you, do you, do you feel the history that's, that is there at Le Mans because of all that has gone before? I suppose so. Yeah, it was. A, this was, was two thousand nineteen. I raced there. It was. A, it was an exhilarating experience. Um, but but again, I mean, well, when I'm driving, I'm sort of very so focused on the driving. I don't really take much notice of you know anything else really. So, but I I, I really enjoyed the weekend. It was one of the one of the pretty best race week weekends I've had. Yeah. Yeah. So, with what you're doing, how many races a season do you undertake currently? Uh, there is six rounds this this season, and so seven races because it's, it's one race per round. Apart from the, the road to Le Mans is broken into two races. I'm not sure why, but that's the way they do. They do it. So, um, whereabouts are the different races? So we've just done Paul Ricard. The next one is Imola on the 14th of May. Then, uh, then Le Mans at the beginning of June. Then uh, Monza beginning of July. Then Spa, and then finally in Portimao. Yeah. Yeah. So, and um, I mean, I, I can't, are you are you class? Do you class yourself now as a full time racing driver? I suppose so. Yes. I mean, on paper, I'm a bronze driver, so you know, I'm a gentleman driver, really, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Getting a bit old now. It isn't. It isn't everyone, young man. 
So, no, I'm, but yeah, I, I do consider myself a full-time racing driver, yes. Yeah. I mean, well, part, full-time racing driver, part-time farmer. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, what all drivers have different regimes. I mean, what what is your re daily regime and etc. to, shall we say, get yourself to the level to be able to drive at Le Mans and drive the endurance racing because endurance racing is not as you said it's not 20 minute 30 minute one hour sprints or stints uh, endurance racing besides the endurance the car goes through the drivers have to be incredibly fit but possibly fit in a different way to a Formula One driver yeah I honestly I don't really know enough about it to say whether the fitness level is different to a Formula One driver but you know, in endurance racing, you, you can sometimes tr drive up to three hours. I think in one stint. Yeah. So yeah, it, fitness is paramount. Um, upper body strength, is, you know, just for controlling the car and going through all the G forces is, is key, and and endurance. So my my fitness training looks like sort of an hour to an hour and a half uh, weight training. Uh, you know, upper body strength training, a bit of legs, of course, and and then, and then sort of. 30 to 60 minutes or sometimes a bit more of cardio training so whether it's running or swimming or cycling yeah and i'll train six days a week now you were saying besides driving you uh, you are classed as a farmer do you find being a farmer helps in any way because uh farming is shall we say definitely a physical activity um I, I, I don't really know to be honest. I, I, I'm only I'm only a baby farmer, a fledgling farmer. I bought a small holding like a year ago, and I've got myself some animals just purely for my own consumption. Yeah. Uh, mind you, I will sell a few pigs because I can't I can't eat a dozen pigs. Yet, so. <laughs> 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 um, and I like I, I like my birds. So I've got I've got far far too many. Um, well, uh, not too many, but I've got I've got more birds than I need for myself for my own exercise. So so I you know. Um, I will be selling some eggs and uh, and uh, some of the some of the birds that I produce give them away and yeah. So just out of interest, where where is your small holding? Scotland. Scotland, right. Yeah. So because I mean, have the locals have the locals latched on to who you are? Oh, they have. It's a very small community. They're latched on even before I moved up moved there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, I mean. The one thing, are you able to, as like we'd said, have you spoken to any of your fathers, uh, your fathers, the people who race there? Are there any, is there anybody else from your father's world days of racing who you've been able to get in touch with, or any of the children of uh, the your, your father's for, uh, previous teammates, etc., that you keep in touch with? Well, Nicky, Nicky Lauder and Matthias, uh, Nicky's son Matthias, you know, we, we, we're, we're friends, we're in touch. Yeah. Um, and Nicky's given me some very solid advice. Every time I every time I saw him, yeah, and then, uh, and that's you know his advice was invaluable. So, and actually, come think the advice my father gave to Mika Hakkinen, um, I interviewed him a couple of years ago, or maybe three years ago now, and the advice he dad gave to Mika was uh, I found invaluable as well. So, yes, in an indirect way, I have taken advice from my father and from his peers. So, yes, is the answer. I mean, just out of interest, can you pass on said advice? Can I pass it on? Yeah. I can give out plenty of advice, Mark, whether I can actually follow it myself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's one thing you'll probably have noticed, because no doubt you'll have seen plenty of f 
films and footage etc the world of motor racing has changed from your father's day i mean the one thing we have to uh, we have to admit is uh, your dad i think epitomized what a playboy he was in many ways also uh, i always considered to be that your father was one of the finest motor racing and formula one commentators i'd ever heard i thought he was fantastic the I reason the reason being a lot of f1 commentators now and motorsport commentators have never done it and that's what came across with your father when he passed a comment about another driver or something that had happened you knew full well he'd been there and done that uh are you able to shall we say emulate your father in any way what for commentary well i mean this commentating i mean have you ever have you been invited to commentate um, no, I don't think I have actually. I'm not sure I'd be much good at it to be honest. I don't think it's really my thing. It's it's. Not, I mean, I do a lot of commentary work. It's relatively easy. You, the only thing you need to do is talk. The fact you, the fact that you might not be talking any common sense. Uh, well, I can I can do that. That's my fear that I, I just ram it on too much to get sidetracked. <laughs> <laughs> And, I mean, what's the rest of your family had to say about you following in your dad's footsteps? Um, they've mostly been all right with it, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, my mother was, was very happy that I, that, I, you know, that I was racing. She was, well, she was perfectly fine with it. Most people, people sort of said to me, well, is, doesn't your mother worry about you, you know, being in a racing car? And I said, well, no, because it's far safer than on a horse in terms of being for my health. Um, <laughs> I mean, she wanted. She, she was heard it. <laughs> Encouraged me to. Sorry, I'm being a bit distracted. Uh, <clears throat> my mother encouraged me to start horses in the first place. She was from a racing horse racing background. Yeah. Um. Uh, but then when I yeah, started cars, she was very supportive of it. I mean, yeah. maybe there was. She had some problems with it, but she never shared them with me. Yeah. But because I mean, it is one of those things. Motor racing is. Uh, as soon as you start to progress up the ranks, it does become a very intense way of life. Yes, yeah, as, I, as, I'm, as I'm learning. So, I mean, we, we have to mention the fact that uh, currently you're, uh, the young lady on your arm is one of my past guests, Amy Watts, daughter of Patrick Watts, who Amy, uh, as I said, was, gave me a fantastic interview. Have you, uh, have you picked up any handy hints and tips from uh, her father, Patrick Watts, who was one of the uh, great B BTCC drivers? Not yet, um, but I am looking forward to picking his brains a bit because no, I haven't actually spent that much time with Patrick yet. But I, I do look forward to um, yeah to talking to him about driving in general. Yeah. yeah. Um, besides the endurance, what other are there any other series that appeal to you, such as saloon cars, touring cars, uh, sports cars? What what other branches of motorsport appeal? Rallycross. Rallycross. Yeah, I did a test once, and that, that was one, one of the most probably some of the most fun I've ever had in a car it was it was fantastic I love that I don't not sure about proper rally because I don't like cliffs and trees I like <laughs> um, <laughs> oak trees don't budge <laughs> No, that is, um, that, that's one of the great problems. Most of the, I mean, the norm code doesn't budge, but most of the obstacles that the rally drivers face, as you just said, tend to be a bit solid and uh, just yeah. just glower at you if you crash into them. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, but I mean, 
be driving on gravel. I mean, or maybe you know, snow or anything, loose conditions, um, you know, a loose surface is, is great fun. And I've, um, I mean, I've always been fairly quick in the wet, so I think this sort of more, more unpredictable, uh, an unpredictable surface, maybe I'm best wrecked. I'm forced to, to drive with instinct rather than calculation, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And, and I, I think I might, I'm, I'm a bit better for that. I mean, that's one, what, what you've just said. A great friend of mine coaches a lot of drivers. He is a racing driver. He coaches a lot of young drivers. And off the record, he said to me on many occasions, we have a lot of young drivers out there that want to start racing. I co He said, I will coach them. He said, and at times I have to tell their parents, no matter how many thousands of pounds you throw at Junior, he will never make a racing driver. Uh, you seem to be the complete opposite. You seem to be able to get into a racing car and just race it because something in you tells you what to do. I mean, how, how do you find a lot of the other younger drivers or inexperienced drivers? How, how do I find them? Yeah, I mean, when you're out there, I mean, the one thing is on a circuit, you need to be able to read what your other races are doing. And a lot of these younger drivers now don't, shall we say, take the accepted and prescribed routes around things and t can at times their inexperience will cause accidents. How do you find a lot of the more inexperienced drivers or those who are, shall we say, unlike you, determined to be a racing driver, but in many ways will never make one. Um, I'm trying to think of experiences I've had with them. I mean, there was one fella in, in when I raced in India who was shouldn't be a racing, shouldn't have been allowed anywhere near a racetrack, and that was rather frustrating because you know he had tons of money thrown at him. And I'm not, I'm not going to I can't even remember his name actually. To be honest, so it doesn't matter. Um, but that that was a bit frustrating. Just seeing all that money poured into you know, and I was, I'm on a shoestring budget or no budget and no drive. When someone else got loads of money but no talent, it's such a waste. You know? Yeah. Um, but you know, when it comes to sort of avoiding accidents, I'm not sure I'm the best person to comment on that because I'm not, I'm not always that good at it myself. <laughs> I've, I've been known to have the odd tangle mark, unfortunately. But I'm getting, I'm getting much better at it, and it was, it was. I will say, it was more often. Well, nine times out of ten, it was due to my mind not being focused because I was putting pressure on myself. Yeah. When I, when I'm relaxed and confident, which I am now, and I have been for the past few years in the car, uh, I've been, I've been much better. I did have an accident last year at Monza, uh, but that was purely by missing my break point, and I collected someone turning it. I wasn't trying to be here and, and go for a, you know, two car overtaking one, which it looks like that from the TV. But I, I, I had on my heart promise I wasn't. Yeah. I just missed my break, breaking point. It was just, a, it was just a driver error mistake. Um, yeah. I mean, Monza, I rate Monza as my all-time favourite circuit. I think it's the most incredible circuit to race on um, because because of where it is and the regulations that surround it, they cannot alter the circuit. Uh, and besides it being my favourite circuit, I still say when you get a scorey chicane right, you have every reason to exit with the biggest smile on your face, because that, that is my all-time favourite corner. I mean, how do you find Monza, and w which is your favourite circuit? Uh, 
I must say, I, well, I'm going to disappoint you. I didn't love Monza. I did love this. This Ascari chicane was fantastic. And the next is a parabolic of the next corner. That, that's quite a fairly quick right-hander. Oh, you mean the one where uh, you think you're going to come off? But, but you, 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 after you've clipped the apex, you then start to drift to the left. And the first few occasions, you think, I've got this wrong because the curbs and the barriers are suddenly looming large. Uh, and all of a sudden, as if by magic, the start-finish straight makes its appearance. Exactly, yeah, you barrel it in there, especially, I mean, I've only driven it in one car, with, with, which is the LMP3, which has, which has downfalls, and you sort of barrel it in there, I think we're using fourth, and then get on the throttle, and providing the car doesn't understeer off, you know, if, if the car sticks, uh, if it's the setup's right, um, you're away, and it's, it, it is great. Uh, but the, yeah, the Ascari chicane, I remember, so we, we we didn't have a very good setup for practice, and we, we massively changed it for qualifying, because we had a lot of oversteering in practice, and we changed it for qualifying which turned into fairly understeery but then suddenly on a light fuel there with new tyres I threw it in uh, to the left hand and I got flat on the power which I hadn't been flat through the rest of the corner before and I was flat it was easy flat through the rest of it it was and it was a, it was a fantastic feeling yeah and I was only I was that lap actually was actually what I was considering a, a warm-up lap yeah uh, before I really push and it was only it, it, it was pole position for most of the session <laughs> um, and I, I didn't get another lap in unfortunately but that, but that, that was only a what I was considering a warm-up lap, I reckon I had another half a second in me, which would have been... I ended up being P4, which is a tenth and a half off pole. Yeah. Uh, but I think if I did get another lap in and didn't cock it up, I would have I would have had pole comfortably. Yeah. So, what rates has uh, Freddie Hunt's favourite circuit? Well, Silson's up there. Um, but one I had most fun on, actually, was uh, Virginia Raceway. Oh. Now, I'm not sure. It might not be much fun in a, in a prototype or a single CC, you know, because all the curves and the, bump, the bumps and everything but that, I was in a GC4 and it was, it was really good fun yeah and it's one of those things I mean you were saying about sponsorship I mean every racing driver walking as a rule it's constantly at the forefront of their mind is generating sponsorship and generating money has being James Hunt's son helped in any way generating interest off sponsors and all being well some money off sponsors it certainly has, yes. Um, not to the degree most people think. I mean, a lot of people say, but you're James Hunt, why are you not funded? Surely people just throw money at you. Unfortunately, it's not, it's not, that's not the case. But it did open doors at the beginning. Yeah. It has opened doors now. And it, it certainly helps a bit. Nonetheless, but however, I still have to drive well. Um, you know, I, 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 it'll open the door, but I have to walk through it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, who are, I mean, besides the car sponsors, who are your sponsors? Who else, shall we say, kindly put their hands in their pockets for you? Well, we're, it's a fairly blank car at the moment, if I'm honest, Mark. Um, Crossley, which is a team sponsor. The team is Writer Engineering, and the, and the team have um, have taken a bit of a gamble on me. Yeah. And they are funding it to, be, to begin with, but we are, I, th I believe they're in discussions with, with uh, a number of companies. Uh, but Crossley which is a, an audio company, I believe, in, based in the States. Yeah. Um, I think they make sort of turntables and speakers and, and, and producing, putting modern music onto, onto old vinyl records. Um, they are, they've been a, a standing sponsor of the team for a number of years. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, it, it's a blank camp, so if any, any would-be sponsors out there, plenty of space on the car. <laughs> <laughs> now, the one thing your dad was known for was his was his own private transport, the uh, old Austin A35 van. Uh, yes. Have you followed in suit with that, or do you drive a more modern car as your daily knockabout? 
Well, I suppose I, I do, for, for most ways, I bought myself an, uh, an Audi A6 because I was doing a lot of miles. And my the car I had before that I still got is a 2003 beefed-up Toyota Hilux, which doesn't like the motorway very much. Yeah. So I suppose I'm slightly old-fashioned in that respect. And I didn't want a uh, more modern one. Well, I couldn't afford one for starters anyway. Um, <laughs> but, I, yeah, I got an old 2003 um, uh, Toyota Hilux, which has been pretty indestructible, as Jeremy Clarkson proved. Yeah. And, I mean, just out of interest, does the old Austin van of your dad still exist? It does, and I think it actually came up on the market recently. I'm sure someone sent me a link to it. It does exist, and someone's got it, but unfortunately we haven't got it. So, could you, if it were came up for sale again, could you be tempted to buy it? Uh, if I had excess cash, yeah, probably, but I don't, unfortunately. <laughs> and I mean, the other final question, when you were at Paul Ricard, when we were talking before the interview, I suggested you uh, went to the driver's restaurant above the pit lane at Ricard. Were you able to go and get one of their magnificent steaks? No, I did ask about this, but it was a, it was a buffet, and there was no, no steak to be seen, unfortunately. I mean, I won't complain, the buffet was okay, but it wasn't anything to write home about. What a, sh what a shame, because that was one of the great things I used to love about Paul Ricard. People you say, you're down there, we're, we're racing there, the two rotals finishing there. My, the first thing in my mind was, marvellous, the restaurant will be open. But uh, I actually find Ricard initially a very mesmeric circuit because of the multicoloured runoffs. How, how did you find Ricard? Challenging, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it was built, maybe someone shouldn't have told me this, but it was built to to challenge engineers and drivers and it certainly did challenge us I mean there's multiple lines you can take in, in, in several different corners uh, we were without making sounding like I'm making excuses we were struggling for setup because our, our engineer hadn't actually worked on the cars before my teammate had not driven the driven the, uh, driven the car before and obviously my first time on the circuit but we did we, I was quite pleased with our result for um, you know Given the circumstances, we were, I think, quite qualified sixth and finished 11th out of a 42 car field, I think, so not too bad. Not too bad, uh, no. Not too bad. But the next round, we will be stronger. We've been working hard on the car, and we think the car has done a bit of testing. Well, um, it's done a race at Spa recently, and it got pole position, pole position there in the, in the German Prototype Cup. And I'm heading out next week for a test. Uh, no, not Yeah, heading out to the team next week for sim work with the, with, with the team. And, uh, and 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 a test day the, the following week before for Imola. Now, if anybody listening does want to uh, sponsor you, sponsor you, or as you just said, throw some money your way and get their name on the card, what's what's the best way of getting in touch with you? Um, probably Instagram would be the best way. Just look me up on Instagram, send me a message there. But Freddie Hunt, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. It's. It's nice to chat to somebody who, shall we say, appreciates his father, but hasn't ridden on the back of him. So it's been a pleasure chatting to you. Freddie Hunt, thanks very much for joining me on the Backseat Driver Radio Show. My pleasure, Mark. Thank you for having me.